0: It's a lifelong career, you know. There are so many facets within the hospitality that you can do, and that I really want to be that person that's pushing, you know, education and learning and training in a regional area, whether that be through wine, but also to just making people really happy. People, if you come here, it's like it's hard to not be happy, you know. And we want to just build environments where people come and just have the best time.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've spoken to many professionals who've talked of the incredible experience of heading to Europe and particularly the UK to further their careers in hospitality. But there are some that have gone the other way, left the UK and embarked on an amazing career down under. What is the lure for a career and life in Australia? Ben Brown is a group general manager of Alua. Ben, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. You've been involved with some pretty incredible venues in Australia. Um, How how much of your hospitality career has been in Australia?
0: Um, Well, I've done, I've been here now almost 13 years and like I've spent those prime years, you know, 20 to I'm 35 this year working in Sydney pretty much. And um, I've literally just just before Christmas moved up here to Foster to to start a new little part of my
1: life. Well, you're, you're on a new adventure and started a new role. But before we dive into that, take us back to the UK. What, what was food like for you and your family as a kid?
0: Yeah, food was like pretty much everything. My dad worked for Bird's Eye Peas for 40 years. Um, so, like he had his own farm, and then in the in the in the summer for six weeks, he used to work about ten weeks, twelve hour days on the pea harvest, so it was like going to see him sitting in a field of peas, potting peas, eating them like that's my original memory of any type of food, um which is now probably why it's my favorite vegetable, you know, um, and my mum just doesn't stop cooking um whether it's for the family, for, for friends. And now she does it as a kind of like, I'm meant to be retired, but I'm not retired kind of vibe.
1: <laughs> Are there any sort of feasts that you can uh, tell us about from from when you were young with your family that really stand out?
0: I mean, Christmas is like the obvious one where I've got a pretty two sisters. They've got five kiddies at the time, you know, all my grandparents were alive. So Christmas day would have been like 20 people and they would have all been at the farm or my parents' house and, you know, everything was there in you know, a big entree, lots of salmon. And then the main course would have been all the vegetables, mildly overcooked. I Hopefully my mum won't listen, but mildly overcooked. And then just as much meat as will feed 20 people for like four days. And you know, you'd, you'd have ham sandwiches forever. Um, but that kind of slowly got me into it, into cooking, because I wanted to help year on year and then when I got old enough I, eventually she didn't like it but I did cook Christmas lunch once
1: so <laughs> wow would well, tell us about that you cooked Christmas lunch once well what did you cook
0: I mean it was pretty classy it was actually a year that I came back I moved to Australia to 2009 and then that was in February and in Christmas 2009 I went home as a surprise and I surprised them on uh, the 23rd only my sister's husband knew and i flew back to england i got the express bus back to North, norfolk which was another four-hour drive and then he picked me up and dropped me outside the house and i just rocked up and it was like the most beautiful thing it was only been like six months but it was so beautiful and i was like i'm gonna cook because i'm back and um it was uh i remember Mum after i got back to show she's like did you buy this from the butcher and I was like, yeah, she's like, we don't normally buy that sort of meat from the butchers. <laughs> it was like £200 or something for this roast, this piece of beef. was um, was beef and turkey and Yorkshire puddings and sprouts and parsnips, carrots, most of it from the garden, like a real English Christmas lunch. Well,
1: take us back to the moment when you started to think about hospitality as a career. What were the first stepping stones for you?
0: Uh, it, again, really actually involves my mum, there at the at the at that time the best restaurant in Norfolk was a place called Morston Hall Hotel it had one Michelin it was like a little country house hotel five rooms and they did a dinner service which was a set time so everybody went at seven o'clock for drinks everyone sat down at seven thirty and it kind of worked like a wedding vibe that thing anyway my mom used to babysit the owner's kids and they were looking for a kitchen hand and my mum was like, well, Ben's not doing anything. More than anything, he's annoying me. You, sh- you can, He can come down and do it. So I think I was like 13 or 14, and I just went and did the, the dishes for like a few nights. I would say probably after about half an hour, I was like, this is the best. I, w- I want to do this forever. Um, and that's where I met my like first mentor, Isaac, who was the manager of the floor at that point, who just oozed charisma and just happiness and just smiled all the time and i was like oh, i love this this kind of vibe and that was like the initial the one the first like okay this sounds this feels good
1: what did you take from your time uh, working under isaac and in that establishment
0: well i did I, I wanted to be a chef like i loved cooking i loved the idea of like vegetables and meat even though i was young quite naive i just loved the idea of all this stuff and norfolk producers is great. You know, in the summer, you get the most beautiful strawberries. Um, and so for a while, I was cooking. And then one day, it just dawned on me that I was like, I don't really see much sunlight. This kitchen was pretty dark. So I was like, I, I, I kind of like talking to people. I'm just in this little corner. And I was, I just said to them, Hey, I'd love to maybe have a go on the floor. Um, and they were like, Yeah, okay, cool. And then, like, the first day, I was like, This is. I mean, the kitchen was great. This is the best. This is just, it was such a beautiful little venue. And I don't know, I just felt right. It just felt like this is what I should be doing. And then I got pretty good friends with Isaac and he just showed me everything. You know, I went from, what was that? Probably like 16 doing, you know, weekends, school holidays. And then 17 was college. So I went to a college called Norwich City College. That from my small little school, only two people went to that college. Out of, like, 100 people, two people went to that college. You either went there for, like, hairdressing or, like, cooking. Um, and so I did the trip. I did that for two years. You know, that was, like, a 6.30 bus for two hours to get to Norwich for the first lesson to be at, like, 9.30, and then you get back home at 8 o'clock on the bus, like, because I wanted it so bad. Um and so that I went there when I was seventeen. So two years of college, eighteen, nineteen. And then I when I finished college, I went full time at Morston, And as like a I think they called them a general assistant where you basically just did everything. You know, you portioned the grapefruits for breakfast, you turned the beds over when everyone was having gin tonics at seven o'clock, you ran the food, everything. Um, and then he left. Um when I was like early 20s. I'd been there for, you know, already five years, bits and bobs. And on my college course, there was another girl and we both worked together there. And the owner said, we'd love you two to run it together. So I was like 20, yeah, probably early 20s. and was running a one mission star um, restaurant within a pretty good-sized wine list. And, Ma- and Isaac had t- taught me all this stuff about european wines and um you know we used to do like go to london once a month get the train to london go to lunch somewhere like we just he got me into food so bad i remember i remember vividly he was like hey do you want to go to the fat duck and i was like that sounds like a terrible name for a restaurant like and i had no idea anything about it anyway so we there was the two of us, we took the train down to London, we got the train to, to um, Marlow, walked to the Fat Duck, and we just had this, like, mind-blowing lunch. I remember, I mean, I don't know why I remember this, but I had a rabbit and cauliflower uh, risotto, and it was just, like, mind-blowing. I just, I just remember, like, everything not being like a risotto, but it was just perfect. And I and we drank um, a bottle of Cristal from my birth year, and he was like, "I want to drink this with you," and it was just spectacular. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of started me thinking about international and kind of world cuisine, I guess in a way. So then to jump back to Morston, so then I did Morston for another two years of running, running the wine list, writing the wine list, and running the venue. Um, and it was just, it's like, it's so glorious there. I like, I kind of miss how just English and Norfolk it is. And mm. Every time we go back home, we pop in for afternoon tea,
1: that kind of thing, so. Looking back now with all of the knowledge that you've gained since, um, what was it like back then, the pressures of being so young and such a, an important venue? <sighs>
0: I, I mean, I... I think at the time, because I was that young, I was I was learning stuff so quickly from from Isaac and that kind of thing. I never really felt too much pressure because it all felt so natural. Because the owners were super lovely um, and they involved me with everything. You know, from even from a young age, just you know, st- they let me just write write the wine list. You know, they were like, "Oh, we like these things, but you go out whatever you want to do." And because the way the venue ran, it was just seamless. Every day, you know, it was was hard work because it was a hotel as well, so it was always open. But, you know, they had a full-time gardener that did the garden. They had, like, a part-time handyman that used to build everything. We built our own smokehouse and just, like, I don't know, I just found it just – I look back and go, I feel like I did a really great job, and it was such a good stepping stone for what I moved on to.
1: When did Australia land on your radar and, and how did that, how did that come about
0: oh, it 's such an odd little story um, i I have to try to be very clear here. I used to buy wine from this gentleman that had a wine company in Norwich. He lived in Australia about ten years prior, and I uh, was working with Jonas Beeston the legend the wine legend from John's Beeston. Anyway, I think he had to leave Australia because he had issues with a late, young lady or something like that. Anyway, we, I was talking to him one day and he was like, oh, a friend of a friend of mine is opening a restaurant in Sydney. And I know that at this point I'd kind of done everything at Morstan as such. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Anyways, I said, look, I'll have a chat. And that's when I had my first conversation with Vicky. And it was literally that. He was like, have a chat with her. I had a half an hour call and she was like, if you want to come to Sydney, we'd love to have it. Pretty much um and i don't know how the sydney thing came up but that just just like all the conversation of of the of the initial little click just to be like this could be the next step and then i think i probably mulled over it for about two and a half minutes being 21 and i was like okay i'm gonna do it so i um i ordered i booked my visa i ordered my plane ticket And then I told my parents in that order because, you know, it's, I feel like those regional countries in England, like not a lot of people don't leave. Um, You know, you go back and people are doing the same thing, they love living there. I was just like, I think I knew I had to to get out. And it was really sad. Like they didn't want me to go, but I was like, I need to do this. It might only be for six months, might be for a year. I don't know. I don't know who these people are I'm going to work for. Like I just need to, I think I just need to do this. Um, and then so I, I worked at Morrison for, for nine years, basically from the day I started until the day I finished. And then I had a couple of months off, and then I flew here in February of 2009 on Valentine's Day, I remember. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind, and I don't really have much memory of thinking about moving to Sydney, just that I did. <laughs>
1: Well, you joined the opening, uh, the team that opened Sepia and spent a lot of time there. But what was it like when you landed in Sydney? What did you think of the culinary landscape?
0: I mean, uh, the actual landing in Sydney was like, it was 7 o'clock. John picked me up. It was pissing down with rain. And he was there in, in arrivals with his newspaper. And he saw me and he dropped his newspaper and spilled his coffee. And I instantly just thought, what have I done? Like this is just like, there was so I knew nobody other than him. And I just, I, at that point I was like, maybe I should just go back. Maybe this is not for me. Anyway, I did stay. And then I just somehow put myself in a position where I was with lots of people that knew everything about Sydney and its food. And it was so wonderful. I lived with John for the first three weeks and, um, got to meet Q and hook the wine writer for quite a bit of those first three weeks. And he took me to like the first few, few restaurants. At that point I was still kind of like, what, what am I, what am I going to do here? Like, this is, this is wild. So that was February, early February. And then the restaurant was delayed until April. So I didn't really have anything to do. So I moved myself into a hostel and, um, spent most of my savings on telling my parents I was climbing the Harbour Bridge. Instead, I was just drinking cases of beer. Um, And um, I went to the Hunter Valley for a couple of weeks. I knew had a a friend of a a winemaker that I used to sell some wine in England and I stayed with them for a couple of weeks and just like meandered and made some wine, with not made some wine, but like crushed the grapes, I guess. And then I moved back to Sydney in a share house and we kickstart kickstart CPO like early April but at that point I hadn't really eaten anywhere I didn't really know anyone I didn't know anything so to answer your question I really didn't have any idea what was happening in Sydney at that point.
1: CPO when it first started was very very different to the incarnation that we saw a decade later Um, when you were part of that whole journey that of change that it went through um, tell us about the early years. What it, what it was like uh, finding your feet in Sydney and becoming part of this restaurant that gradually built and built.
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 origins are, are relatively fuzzy for me now, but I mean the the I think the plan was was just to open a really good. I mean, I use the word brasserie quite fluidly. They but, but a really good, solid, city restaurant with great wine list looked beautiful, you felt elegant, you felt like you should dress up and have a good time, and then just, I think it was almost instantly, it just turned into something a little, a little less more entree made dessert and a little bit more, uh, maybe we should stay in this room for longer when you're having dinner. Um, and I think it was after, you know, two years maybe or 18 months that we moved to a more kind of tasty menu vibe mm-hmm. and that's when i think we i think martin and vicky knew that they they wanted to create the best restaurant in australia or well sydney you know and everyone was on board um and at that point i was rodney's assistant as a sommelier and so i was just had all these wines in that i was able to work with that i'd never that i'd never even heard of you know when I was working at Mawson, the only, you you see like three Australian wines, and you'd be like, God, they're the best. And you get here and then you'd be like, okay, there's another 10,000 wines, you know. Um, And so that was pretty special, you know, and then it just built and built and built. And I was there for just shy on 10 years, you know, and by the end of it, it was, you know, this, this kind of like food theatre, you know, you, you, you don't come you didn't come to sit C- sepia C- C- for an hour and a half if you did you didn't know what you were in the wrong place you know essentially and it was about theater and food and wine and conversation and people having a really great time and feeling really special and celebrating you know and it, and it and it did all that stuff
1: um, Martin Ben's uh, food is extraordinary, but Sepia was not only known for that extraordinary culinary sort of exploration, but the the way that the front of house team um, delivered on their promise. And tell us about what it was like in that front of house team and and delivering such a, a a warm sort of professional offering that you did.
0: Yeah, I think the key to that part was is that it's really easy to to be stuffy and to be a robot in that scenario, you know, and that was drilled into me when I first got there. And then once after after five years, I became restaurant manager. So that was kind of my foray to build a a really good culture within staff, which portrayed into the service. But, you know, this was, you know, trainings two times a week, um, you know, constant refinement that, I mean, I'm sure you're, you know, you're familiar with what happened. It was constant refinement. And if something didn't quite work one day, the next day we just change it and change it and change it and make it right. Um, But we all, you know, we we're also really fortunate to employ some really amazing young, really special people that have now gone on to, to do really good things. And, um, but that was the key, you know, there were, there were no like, uh, like seasoned pros as such as you see around Sydney. They were all like young, really wanting to learn. Most of them were taking hospitality seriously like a career rather than just a job. And that was kind of, I think, the first movement that I, under, that I kind of witnessed in my head and also in Sydney that people were taking it really seriously, you know, because it is the best job in the world.
1: Tell us about the front of house experience and how you deliver such a special experience. Your recall to tell a story of a wine has always been exceptional and the intricacies of a dish. But but when it comes to the service, what's important?
0: Important. I mean, there's like lots of points, but key points is the first interaction, you know, the welcoming. That is, I mean, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and a lot of people have said that, you know, but it is so important to meet and greet someone with a smile irrelevant of how you're feeling or how, you know, or what's going on in the world, that they're there for a good time and you've got to, you have to give them that good time. Um, And it's that just even just a high, even if you can't get there, you know, this this is kind of very training Ben Brown talking here, but you know, like even if you can't get there, you tell all your staff that you have to say hello. It instantly puts people at ease. It instantly knows people are being looked after, even if they're not with someone. And then, you know, hospitality is almost as simple as just making people happy and just having the best time. But, you know, also at CP, you know, we're all wearing suits and shirts and polished shoes and the chair gets pulled out and the napkin always gets put back and the cutlery comes there's no cutlery in the same it comes with every course and that napkin on that plate is perfectly folded and the glass is shining like no one's business and the wine label is always facing the customer when you pour it the water is never too low like all those things but you have to have the bodies to do that kind of thing as well i guess in a roundabout way but you employ the right people and you build the right culture and people love to do that thing, that stuff.
1: You spent a decade uh, with Sepia, with uh, Vicky Wilde and Martin, Ben and the incredible team there. What did you take from that experience?
0: Uh, I just grew up. Like, it's a sim- I think it's almost as simple as that. I spent my entire 20s working in what eventually became, you know, one of the best top 100 restaurants in the world. And all we strived to do was, in an un- arrogant way, was to be the best. We wanted to be the best restaurant, and everyone that came there have the best time, and you know, be full as a restaurant, and just serve people. And I look back, and you know, I've had, I grew, I grew up as a person. I grew, I grew up as a, and as a, as a manager. I, you know. I built lots of skills in terms of people management, which have definitely helped me even post CPA and my wine knowledge. You know, I spent 10 years working with a wireless that was, I don't know, 5,000 wines long or however long I can't really remember, but all, all, all a lot of practical stuff, but also, you know, mental stuff in terms of that, like dealing with staff and people and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I look back and be, you know, forever grateful for Martin and Vicky, and just how it's a it's a restaurant that will go down in you know, in Sydney folklore forever. I think
1: you, know. you you then joined you know one of the most influential groups of the sort of modern uh, era with hospitality in Sydney, the Swillhouse Group with the Albertos. Um, how how different was was that operation for you moving from the world of sepia? <laughs> yeah.
0: It was the opposite, wasn't it? Really, um, I mean. I'm pretty happy to never do my tie-up five days a week. Um, and, you know, wearing vans to work was pretty cool for a while. Um, but I think I, I did kind of struggle with the casualness to start with, if I'm completely honest, just because all I knew was through hat service. not not that Not that you had to, you know not that one hat service is you have to do x y z to do that and three hat is whatever i was just programmed i guess in a roundabout way if you do it for 10 years that's all you kind of know um and it was finding that balance of um professionalism and being friendly because that i think that's almost the scale if you know what i mean um where at the top end you know it's pure professionalism with an element of yourself. And then as you head down, you know, you've, I've served you in both the restaurants. When you come to somewhere like Alberto's, I, I guess it's almost like you can be a bit more yourself without sounding kind of hard on yourself like that, where you can just talk almost as you are, a little less kind of professional, not, not, not less professional, but a little less like um, work, work, work where this is a bit more fun, I guess, in a roundabout way. But it didn't take me overly long, but I definitely remember those first, like, few weeks of, I don't have to put my hand behind my back when I pour your water, or I, you know, those sort of things. Um, But I, Albers was a different thing completely, because the boys set as a venue, had the restaurant set up, and then they basically wanted me to run it, you know, for them, and that was a dream. So not only did I have to think about this kind of service thing that was probably more often was actually just in my head, but I also had to open a brand-new restaurant. And, um, God, it was fun. Christ, it was so good.
1: (laughs) The group has an incredible ability to create so much energy in the room and this incredible atmosphere along with the great – food but it 's really focused on good times. How do they capture that
0: i mean i when I think about this sort of stuff, I think about like reading reviews online, which i don 't really like doing that much, but when you get to a point in the venue in in the level of the venue, you kind of read them um, and the common thing is that people say they have good food, good service, and good vibes or something to do with things that are out of your realm in terms of cooking food and drink. And I think what the boys do so amazingly well is they just build somewhere that you want to go again and again and again and again, you know, whether it's you walk into Alberto's and there's these big Italian um, posters on the wall or it's a song that you've heard somewhere that's and your and your and your body just kind of moves or your brain's thinking about other things you know, and or you go to Hubert and you you know sometimes it takes me ten minutes to walk downstairs because I'm just like in awe of being there, even for working for the company, the same thing you know you think it would get boring, but even if you do fifty management meetings there and then you go for dinner, you're still enamored by what happens um they just they just get it, I think also. Um, and that's, I think, like you put, like you said, our butters just had that, you know, you walked in there, it was really hard to not have a good time in there,
1: I find. <laughs> you, you've been a massive part of the Sydney culinary landscape for, for over a decade now, but you've, you've headed north with a new gig and you're out of, out of Sydney. Tell us about the decision and, and what you're doing. Yeah. Um,
0: well, what happened was, I mean, it actually happened on the first day of Alberto's where um, we opened at five o'clock and my wife called me at ten to five and she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, oh, shit, that's great news. How do you feel? And um, it was all just like that's something that I had wanted to have in my, my entire life was a little family. And then so we had Lily, which was great, and then um, – Two years later, we had Monty, this this other little chubby boy that we've got now. And at that point, it was, you know, working five nights a week till 1am, um, not seeing the kids that much. It was that balance that I loved Alberta so much, but I still wanted to, you know, obviously be, a, be as much of a dad as I could. It just got to the point where we had to just kind of think about ourselves a little bit more. And, you know, I'd done almost... 20 years of full on me being in hospitality that kind of vibe and um so we kind of were thinking about what what can we do where can we go that's a little bit more we both grew up regionally my wife's from Adelaide region Adelaide I'm obviously from Norfolk so the kids grew up on farms and we really wanted to have that for our family um and then it essentially happened that the owner, Ben, who owns Isla, the venue here, came to our birds a couple of times and we got chatting a few times and um I my in-laws live up in Foster and a couple of times I called them and said, Hey, can you send can you do a delivery for them? Whatnot. Out of the blue, he just texted me, said Hey, can are you free for a chat? And um I was like, sure. And he called me and said, Hey, look, I've got this Thing I don't know if it's, if it's what you're feeling, but I've got this opportunity in Foster, and I mean I'm not a universe guy, but this is like grandparents, like a really beautiful venue, and everything that we kind of wanted into one. Um, it was really hard to leave Alberto's, and uh, I'm still besties with them all. I, I love them to bits, but it, would, it was the thing that we had to do in our life now, and we. And we just made the call and we moved up here just before Christmas. So now we're living regional, five minutes from the beach, although I hate sand, so I'm teaching myself to hate sand less. Um, And, you know, working in this glorious little spot that's the old boat shed on Wallace Lake. Um, If you're a table of two, you sit on a bar that, your feet are almost dipping into the water and when it's a beautiful day yesterday the dolphins were dump, jumping in the lake and you know the food is just the most delicious like Mediterranean fare it's a menu that you read and that you know what you're going to get you know I think five years ago people would have said four hours from Sydney no way I'm not that's too far but I think now people are just like that's easy and so we're seeing more and more, you know, people like me move into regional areas and regional dining getting just getting better and better and better and people caring. And that's, that's kind of where we're at now.
1: We've had a lot of people on the show talk about the changes that have happened in their lives because of the last couple of years, but coupled with that move out of Sydney and into the place where you are, has it had an impact on you the last couple of years and this big change that you've had?
0: um i mean COVID for, for me personally has been quite good <laughs> dare i say because in the first lockdown that we had in sydney then when we had to shut everything down m- myself and my wife we literally swapped roles for three months she went back to work early and i became a full-time dad for three months when lily was uh i think she was five months so five six seven eight months which was all like this time where they just start being little people and you know i I saw the first tooth and i got the first dad and all this stuff you know which as a dad you never get really in, in the grand scheme of things so i had this like incredible three months of you know cooking every day for them you know she was at this point where she's having little purees and I was cooking like a restaurant for a five-month-old, you know, like I wanted to garnish her food and all this dumb things that I was doing, but it was just so beautiful. Um, And then obviously we all crashed back to reality and went back to work. And then the second one, a very similar thing happened. I had Monty. So I was managed to have, you know, 12, 16 weeks where I did the same thing. So I've been really lucky and um, I've had the best time just looking with my kids. So, um, but you know that. At the same time, the second lockdown was 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 very um, for us was kind of sad because with our first child, everybody got to see her day one and day two and day three and day four. He was born in a lockdown, so no one saw him for ten weeks. So uh, it was just the flip thing. We were just like, oh, we just didn't think about that you know where we loved having them at home but that's all you that's all you knew um so it was tough for us and i think that maybe halfway through that we were like okay you know if this is going to happen again we want to be somewhere where we're close to grandparents where the sun is shining where the sky is blue where you know when you open your front door you don't see a street you know we've we've got a little um uh park at the front of the house you know like all these things that just make you really value being a family,
1: I guess. The the group is growing with the, another venue opening shortly. Well, what are you looking forward to uh, this year?
0: Um, oh, I'm actually we're we're so excited. The, the, these guys that have got Isola are really um, they're they're locals, which is the first thing, you know. Ben and Leah, they're both born in Foster. Ben was born here when they were still delivering babies here. They're not anymore. His grand his grandfather was the bouncer at the RSL where we're opening the new venue. So you know these these guys are not at of towners that are just opening a venue. They they get it. They get what people want here, um, and they just want to do it really well. Um, so hope well. Next week we're going to start building. So um, it's going to be a beautiful little tiny you know 25 seat wine bar restaurant of night and then during the day we'll just do the most delicious sandwiches uh, and be a little bit more casual but um i guess i'm really looking for it's just tricky staffing wise up here i think one thing that is common through my whole career is that um i'm now i've had obviously i had a great mentor now i want to I'm now moving into that role. So I'm looking at building culture and trying to, you know, find as many locals here that can work with us that we can teach and educate and learn, you know. I think it's it's been a common conversation over the last five years that people are in hospitality for essentially the wrong reason and that it should be, it's a lifelong career. You know, there are so many facets within the hospitality that you can do and that I really want to be that person that's pushing, you know, education and learning and training in a regional area, whether that be through wine, which um, there's not a great deal of kind of larger lists and that kind of thing here, Um, but also to, as we were saying before, just making people really happy people if you come here it's like how it's hard to not be happy you know and we want to just build environments where people come and just have the best time
1: well ben uh, you're one of the very best front of house professionals that i've encountered so it's an honor to have you on deep in the weeds today and so glad to hear um what the future lies for you um please keep in touch and i uh, will catch up again soon
0: thanks man stay safe
1: this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep